0: All week long, I, I, I've just had this part of me that I wanted to share with you, and so today I'm going to do that. Um, I, As I've told you as we started this series, I've been on a real journey. God's been just, uh, for the last several years, uh, just showing me things that are coming, things that are happening in church world today, I'm going to talk about a little bit of that, things that... Uh, we are supposed to be doing. And so instead of just uh, giving you something that, you know, is part of this series, I want to make it extremely practical for us as a church today. So if you're visiting with us, um, you, you, can, you can't leave, okay? But, um, uh, you, you, you know, this is going to be a family day. And so some of you may need to join our family after after today because uh, you want to be part of what I want to share. We celebrate 19 years of ministry, and it's really exciting, but for me it, it means a whole lot more personally. When when Pam and I t- started talking about planting this church, and, and and by the way, for those of you who don't know, I, I don't get paid from the church. I never have. I'm a businessman, and... Um, I uh, had no intention of ever pastoring any church anywhere. And, uh, but because of some things that happened in, in my life and walk with the Lord, I felt like this would be a great opportunity to. Um, by the way, uh, Josiah, if, if you guys could turn the air on up here, uh, it's, it's hot where I'm standing. Thank you. I know you guys are all comfortable and everything, but it's boiling up here. Um, when we first started the church, I, I asked God to give me 20 years uh, to do this. This is year 19, and actually, <laughs> it was year 19 on Halloween night. Of all the weird times to start a church, um, but that's what we did, um, Pam and I and our family love this church. We we love, and it is, as Dan mentioned in his testimony, he sure isn't the building. Um, it's it's not the organization. It's you. You're the church. We're the, we're the church together, and and we we love this church. We we don't plan to go anywhere unless we're forced out of town. Um, we you're our family. And many of you have walked with us as we've walked with you in places in life that um, other, other parts of our families have never gone. And so it's really, you know, you're, you're such a blessing to, to us. And um, I, I can't imagine doing life without you guys. Um, but I will tell you this, it's, it's time for change in our church. And I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about some of the things that God's been sharing with me and, and the thought processes that I have. And, and And my big question really has been, how do I steward this? How do I... How, and don't get all worked up. I'm not resigning today, okay? Or maybe you're so excited, I don't know. Just I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere um, yet. But, uh, and I don't plan to ever retire. I, that's, that's not a kingdom thing in my mind. Um, but it's time for change. We all have to change, and, and destiny has to change. And so so here's where I'm coming from with that. I, I study the church. I love the church. It's a bride of Christ. I, I pay attention to it. I, I, I watch what's happening uh, throughout the world, and, and then most pointedly right here in the United States. And I can tell you this, that the church... As I've known it, and the church that I see today in America is in a lot of trouble. Actually, the church uh, outside of the United States is doing pretty well. Um, David's going to come next week and share with you about what they're doing in the 1040 window and the people who are coming to Christ and the thousands of churches that are being planted throughout the world. And, and, And they do a really good job of... Of keeping all the numbers and monitoring everything and validating everything and verifying everything. They know how many pastors they have and how many thousands of church members are, are coming to Christ and being discipled. And But in America, people don't, especially pastors, don't like to look at the numbers for real because the numbers are troubling. And uh, it, we're not doing as good as we'd like to think we were. Jim Collins wrote the, the classic book, Good to Great, Probably many of you have read that. And he says this, he says, All good to great companies began the process of finding a path to greatness by confronting the brutal facts of their current reality. And so for the last several years, I've been doing that. I've been looking at the brutal facts of the church in in our country. And um, the Apostle Paul says says kind of the same thing. He says it differently, though, in Acts chapter 20. He says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now, I'm a businessman, and I know if, if my business is not doing well, if the markers aren't going well... I need to pay attention. I need to do what needs to be done. I've got to take. I've got a bunch of people that work for me, and they need a paycheck, and they need a future, and so I have to do that. Well, the same thing is true in the church, and Paul is teaching us here. He says, take notice. I want you to look around. I want you to see what, what is happening, and you need to take care of this, and, and the church is the bride of Christ. The church will always do well in terms of of the work of the church but it is up to us as leaders to look at this and give it our very best and to see where things are going and be prophetic voices and apostolic voices for the future so that the church does well where we are the expression of the church does well in our communities and so i have three areas of concern as I look across the nation, and I'll share some of these. Some of these I've I've talked to you about. Um, One of these is money. Um, Money is leaving the church. Now these are real statistics from Pew Research and Barna Research, but listen to what they're saying. Within 15 years, the church will lose about 70% of its income. That's not a... That's not a guess or a shot in the dark. Th- th- these are numbers that are validated for real. 46, now this is, this is interesting, 46% of giving, giving in churches today is being given by people who are 65 and older. And those people are dying at a rate of 1,000 people a day right now. I'm not 65 until next week, so I've... Whew, You know, this this one's even more troubling because it's so prevalent, and it's 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 actually indicting for us. For every dollar given, eighty-five to ninety-five cents of that dollar goes to buildings and staff. Um, That's a that's a terrible ROI. So. We do much better here at Destiny. Ours is only 75. Not good. Not not very encouraging. Not something that. Well, it's something we need to look at. Um, so that's the money thing. And by the way, I don't. You know, I'll I'll, I'll try to get you over the depression here soon. Um, I've talked to you in many times in the last couple of years about. Um, Salvations, people giving their lives to Christ. We would like to think, you know, with all the news about the, the evangelical movement and politics and all the great churches and big churches and all this stuff around us, we, we would like to think that Christianity is booming in our country. We're not booming. In fact, we're going backwards uh, quickly. Probably the, the counties with the most... Uh, Christ followers in them are somewhere around 8% of those, those counties in our nation. Our county is 4% um, and declining. Uh, most, most places in the United States, even in the Bible Belt, really have a 4% marker for the number of believers. So I'm going to use that number. Of the 96% of people who are left... Only 40% of those people will ever consider going to a church one time in their life. You know, maybe here, maybe somewhere else. But but 40%, 60% of the people uh, who are left, which really is around 57%, if you pull out the, the believers, um, say that they'll never go to a church. And they never will. It's, it's, it's a given. Uh, so... Money's one of my concerns. Lost people is one of my concerns. And then the one that breaks my heart the most is that we are losing the next generation in Christianity today in our country. 80% of young people in the church today are walking away from their faith. Of the 80%, we're being told right now that only 33 to 35% of them ever return. That's, that's a killer. That, that's, that's not only the destruction of the church in America, that those are our kids. And so these are the things that weigh me down. These are the things that I think about all the time and think, okay, what do we do with this? Because it, 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 it's, it's for real. It, it's, it's, this is big stuff. And I'm using this, this birthday celebration to share with you what we're seeing and to also tell you where I am in this and where I believe God is leading me. And I want to do that by telling you, okay, I'm going into year 20. If I get through, if we have another birthday, I will have made my 20. And and you know, I, I t- teach you this all the time. It takes 20 years to build something great. So i you know... I'm at 20, it's coming. Um, but I feel like God's leading me to my next assignment. And the reason I want to share this with you is because I want to take you with me on this one. And uh, it's it's necessary, it's needed. And, and today, I, I hope you leave inspired, I hope you leave encouraged, um, this may be the only time you ever go to church in your whole life. I hope you meet Jesus today. I have a lot of hopes, but mostly uh, for us as a family, I want you to take what, I wanted, what I'm going to be sharing and um, think about your involvement. Over this next year... I'm going to be giving up the day-to-day leadership of destiny, and actually, <laughs> if you ask my staff, that's already happened. Like I just don't show up. Um, they have meetings, and then they tell me what to do, and that's it's it's kind of like marriage. It's just how it works, you know, and yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> And and so um we've got an incredible team here. I'm I'm telling you the, the the guys and ladies that serve on our team uh it's a small team but they are powerful and they do they do an incredible incredible job. They love the Lord. Uh, they love you and and I'm so proud of our team and so a lot of what I get to mess around with and do is because of the impact that, that these young people are are making. They were all really young until Turner came on board, and things went up a little, but not that much. Um, So, I wrote down three things. I I just put this together this morning. I've been messing around with it all week and trying to think through what I wanted to share, but really I have three goals. Um, Here's the first one. This is going to sound really weird, but it's something that is on my heart. I want to develop a God-honoring pattern of church economics. That is a stra- strange thing. Um, I'm, <laughs> it's really interesting because as I started studying this, I started writing about it, and I started talking to people about it. And, and now people consider, consider me a forerunner of this whole movement, and I haven't even done anything yet. I, I've just been talking about it. And... Um, but but I have met some people, and in, in fact, in November of next year, I'm speaking at a conference in Dallas on the, the whole topic of church economics because we don't see where we're at, we don't understand where we are in the United States as, as a church, and um, and so people more and more are calling me and say, "Hey, what do we do about this? How do we think about this?" And and, and so I I want to come up with some answers. Uh, for the economics of the church. I I would love to see us be able to get to a day in the next decade where of every dollar that people give in the offering from their tithes and offerings, uh, 100% of that goes to ministry. And I think that can be done. I think that the system that we set up hundreds of years ago has flaws and it, it's not a pattern that you see in the New Testament church. It's a pattern that came out of Constantine and the Roman Empire. And, and it's just been going on for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. And the Reformation, while it was great, just, just pushed this economic thing even further. And in a lot of ways, the church has lost credibility because of the money issue. And um, I, I want to see that restored And so you guys, you folks know how I feel about the roles that we play in our day-to-day lives. Like I'm a businessman, some of you are educators, some of you are medical people, some of you are are, uh, brick masons, and and all the things that we do, everything that we do is sacred to God. there's There's not this you know, the holy people and then everybody that has to work. It, it isn't like that. It's not supposed to be like that. But the church has created that mentality. And, and and so I want us to look at the possibility of some business-minded people figuring out an economic system that allows the churches not to have to pay mortgages and rent and, and, and staff. And so... Um, I want to see um, our church, if 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 I'm able to do what I'm planning to do, uh, we're not going to have a mortgage ever. Uh, I can see the day within a decade we won't have any rent. We pay, I'll just, you know, I'm not, I'm just talking here today. I'm not preaching, so I can tell you the truth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that was a joke. It was, I didn't it wasn't a Freudian slip. Um, we paid $20,000 a month, uh, for a building that Dan called a regular building. Um, (laughs) and, but that's a quarter of a million dollars a year that could go to something else besides a building for us. Um, and so I can see us getting to a place where we could get there. I could see us not having to pay staff, not that we 're going to fire them, um, but we figure out ways for businesses to take care of the staff who who works so hard uh, to carry out the work of the gospel. you look at, at everybody and well even Jesus himself had an entourage of business people who followed him around and paid for everything and and it's very scriptural and, and so I, I can I can see that happening. I like to do away with payroll. i, I We'd like to um, see our tithes and offerings, all of them, go straight to ministry endeavors. And, and so that's one of the goals that I have, one of the things that I'm headed toward. Uh, in how many ever years God gives me, I'm planning on another 20, um, but it, my endeavors are going to be in a different path. And one of the things I want to do is develop this God-honoring pattern of church economics. I want to figure out a way, number two, to reach every lost person in our culture with the gospel of Christ. This this whole 40%, 60% thing haunts me. It keeps me up at night. And I'm thinking, you know, we, we do a really good job having church services, but as I've shared with you, the church is not here for itself. It's not here to benefit itself. It's not here to grow itself. We're here to storm the gates of hell. And the gates are getting more and more clear as we go through this culture. I mean, I don't know if you realize this as as Christians, Christ followers, but we're not the most popular people in our country. And there's an entire culture around us that you interact with day in and day out who need Jesus. And the church has acted in a way, and I'm talking about the church at large, has acted in a way that people don't like us because of how we've acted. Now, I know there are some that are like out on a ledge and, and, you know, they're just because it's Jesus anything, they're just going to come at you. But for the most part, we've acted poorly in culture today. And um, so I want to share something with you today that... um, is going to be one of my efforts in trying to change some things. So, um, Jay, could you put up the picture up here? You guys, many of you know this, many of you may not. Um, This is a property, it's on King Street, South King Street, on the south side of Leesburg. Uh, My company has owned this property for 15 years. Uh, The house, the the, the yellow house, the, the right section of the house, Without that porch on it, uh, was built in 1742. The center of the house was built in the 1830s. The barn was built, I believe, in 1830-ish, something like that. And um, I've owned it, like I said, for 15 years. And um, well, let me tell you, let me tell you where this came from. Uh, in 1740, William Penn, who was the founder of Pennsylvania, and William Meade came across a ship to America from England. They were Quaker ministers. They preached the gospel. They got arrested. Uh, they really thought they were going to be hanged. And, uh, but they got a reprieve and jump, jumped on a ship and came to America. William Penn, we know the story, went to Pennsylvania. William Meade built that house right there. And um, he uh, uh, he named it Greenway, which is the name it has today, because he built the actually he built the first part of the house with uh, bricks that were the ballast of the ship that they came to America on, and the captain of the ship was named Captain Greenway. So if you ever wonder why it's called Greenway, that's that's the reason. And Mead Drive is right beside of Greenway. Uh, So that's the history on the property. Um, And the Mead family, uh, they were all Quakers. And so in 1740s, they used to have Quaker uh, meetings here, and they dedicated this land to God um, several hundred years ago. And it's just been sitting there. I used to drive up and down in front of this property, and I just absolutely loved it. And I thought, man, if it ever came on the market, I would try to buy it. I had, I had no idea, you know, how I would ever do that. And, and um, one day, I was this was early uh, in cell phone world. I'm driving on King Street, headed south, uh, texting while driving. Now, that was before it was a cardinal sin, okay? It, uh, texting just came out. Nobody even knew what texting was, so I'm doing it. And I plowed into the back of this little Volvo, stopped right in front of that house. And Volvo, like $200 damage, I totaled my Toyota. Um, So I'm out and the owner of the house comes out and he's talking, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. And he said, by the way, I really like your property. (laughs) He goes, you want to buy it? And that started a whole bunch of conversations and I won't go into all the details, but I did uh, buy it. And... um, I have through the 15 years along with my business partners and friends tried to develop this property. I've had developers tell me, "Hey, this is never going to work. The money doesn't work. It's too small, it's too this, too that. Um how how's it ever going to happen?" And um so it's been all over the all over the place. And it wasn't until last year that I really sensed. In fact, I've, I was going to sell it. This, this is a true story. I was going to sell it. And, and um, it was just getting irritating. Um, and I'll never forget, Robert, our son, found out. And he yelled at me. And, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? I'm going to sell it. And he goes, you said God gave it to us. And phew, crud. Um, so I didn't sell it, um, but I didn't know what to do with it until this past year. And I started thinking about the money issues. I started thinking about the culture issues. And, and I started realizing that, hey, the people who need Jesus around us aren't coming to our church. They're not going to. Some will. Some of you are here today. But but the majority of the people will never come to our church, and so we need to go to them. And so here's here's my plan um, here's what I want to do and I want you to see it uh, because um, it's going to involve you. Uh, Jay, let's look at the next picture. This is, um, this is where we are. All these things are in to the Board of Architectural Review right now. The building on your left is what we, we affectionately call the South Building because it's on the south side. Um, the lower level is a restaurant. The top two levels are offices. There's another level of retail on the back side, down on the other side. Um, let's go to the next picture. This is to the right. Uh, it looks like, a right now, it looks like an office structure, and some of that will change. Again, it's not in its final stages. But the lower level is um, the uh, uh, an expansion area for Destiny School of the Arts. For those of you that don't know, we have a school in the manor house. Uh, I just saw the numbers this weekend. Uh, we've got like 178 students that go through that building every week, and and we're full. The classes are full. And so we're going to expand into the lower level of the building on the right. The upper building, the upper level of that is um, going to be a performing arts center for the town. It's also where we're going to have church. Um, but uh, I've met with the town multiple times, and one of the questions I've just had is, "What do we need here?" And without question, uh, the mayor and town council members said, "We need a performing arts center." We'd be, we, you know, and they've been trying to build one for twelve years, and they can't figure out how to, how to fund it and make it work. And so I said, "Okay, we'll we'll do that." Um, the next picture. This is a connector building between the performing arts theater and the barn to your right. Um, and then uh, Jay, let's go to the next, next picture. So this is the barn, but it's not the barn. Um, this is, if you've ever been to the barns at Wolf Trap, that's the barn right there. And it's um, our barn. Uh, Our barn doesn't have a roof right now. If you give or drive south, you know, it's kind of weird. Um, We we got hit with a storm in March, and it really messed up a whole lot of things besides just the roof, and it's taken us all this time to, I think they're finally getting to work on it and should have a roof sometime before it snows again. Um, But uh, our barn is identical to the barns at Wolf Trap, identical in size, in, in structure, the, the way it's laid out. So this is going to be our barn and it's going to be a music venue. It's going to be a wedding reception venue. It's going to be a wedding venue. Uh, by the way, weddings are how we're paying for almost all of this. Um, let's, if you want to get married there, you can 10 grand just to get in. Okay. I'm just saying, go ahead and start saving up. No, I don't No Love for destiny here. (laughs) Uh, I'll give you a little discount. Um, Let's go to the next picture. I think you're going to like this. This is the inside of the Performing Arts Center. It's something like that. I'm not sure about the, the pink, purple seats. But um, it's going to be a center stage theater that we can convert on weekends where we can have church here. But the idea of this whole project is this is where our town will be. And we'll just happen to be in the middle of, of all of this. Um, I'm expecting that there will be thousands of people on this property every week. And uh, they won't be there for us, but we're going to work to be there for them. Um, The town uh, connected me to a, a theater group and I met with them and uh, we just started building a relationship with these people, and and they're just wonderful people. And uh, what they, they their focus is family friendly theater. And so uh, they're in the process of helping us design this building so that it can be used for uh, theater. And it's I, I think it's going to be state of the art. Um, I've got a few things I want in there. I I, I would went to a a play with some friends on Broadway. It was Anastasia. And the whole back wall was just a big LED screen. I want one of those. And it only cost $2 million, but we'll figure it out. Um, But um, I, I like these people so much. I said, well, where are you guys meeting now? And they said, oh, we're having a terrible time trying to find places where we can actually rehearse and meet. And they've been doing things at Franklin Farms and Middleburg and all over. And they just can't. So I said, well, hey um, come and use our space. And they said, how much? I said, nothing. Um, and, and, I said, we just want to get to know you guys and see if, see if your stuff's any good. And, um, so we're going to find out because in your program today, you got an invitation. Uh, Christmas Carol opens up. It's going to be theater in the round. You can't see them now, but there's a, the whole lighting up there has been changed and there's going to be seating in the round. In fact, I think I don't know if we'll do it next Sunday, but I think the Sunday after. I don't know who's speaking, but I think we're going to surprise them and do church in the round. I think it'd be so cool. Just like let's see what happens, and and um, if it's a bomb, we won't tell you. We'll just keep preaching or whatever we're doing. Um, but I'd love for you people to come to one of these shows. Go online; it'll tell you the, the times, and it's going to be on Friday nights. I think it's seven and or seven thirty. Saturday matinees at one and, and seven thirty and it goes for three or four weeks and um, uh, you get a t- you get a five dollar discount. I think the tickets are like fifteen bucks and uh, if you type "destiny" in a code place somewhere, you get five dollars off so it 's a great deal, and um, it 'll be a fun thing to do. but I want to meet these people i, I have in, in this whole process over the last couple of years, I have built so many. Uh, beginning relationships with people I would never meet by being in my church world and just doing the things that that I would do here all the time. And um, I want us to learn how to do that. I want us to learn how to take our faith to the streets. Um, uh, Well, I'll I'll just keep going because I I have more to share um, about where we're going in this project at Greenway, the church, is not going to own anything. When you don't own anything, you don't owe anything. Uh, We'll probably need some rent for a couple years just to get it off the ground, and then I'm hoping that that goes away. Um, But we're going to be a tenant, and um, uh, we're going to have a built-in mission field. um, A few months ago, I talked to you about the seven mountains of culture and and the impact that certain things have on culture and, and the seven mountains, if I can remember them all, are the church, family, education, business, government, arts and entertainment, and media. Those are the things that affect culture. By the time we get this project done, we're going to have five of those in operation. And if we can learn how to be with people who don't necessarily like the church, but they really like to be loved, they like to be cared for, we're going to have an impact. It's part of the going that we get to do. So we want to be and go and do. We want to love people and and share Jesus with them. The, um, one of my core values uh, personally is that the church belongs in the marketplace. We need to get out of our four walls and need to be on the street. So these things um, help our first two problems, the money problem and the lost people problem. But the one that breaks my heart the most um, is uh, the lost generation. And um, so I'm just going to put this out there today. I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot. Um, I want to restore... Something And honestly, I don't think our church has ever had it to restore, but we have had it in the church in the United States. Um, Restore the lost art of discipleship. Discipleship. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And uh, our present approach to ministry has been, always has been since I was a little kid, and it's been like that for hundreds of years, is um, that... It's a Sunday morning experience. Um, and I'll tell you this, it's no longer working. It's a, at the most, it's a 20th century model. Um, we started our church in the 90s, and it was part of the model of, of how we started. And you have a great Sunday experience, and people will come to that uh, model. And uh, that's when people remembered about. Uh, Christ when I heard Dan's testimony today it reminded me we have I I would say three-fourths of this church are former Catholic uh, attendees and because you had a memory of a church experience many of you could have been some other organization but you had a you had a memory of something today there are no memories of a church in people's lives because there was no church and so that model just doesn't work now it doesn't mean that we're going to stop Sunday morning meetings we're going to give it our best, and we're going to do a great job and use it to, to disciple and teach. But in this Sunday morning approach, a couple things have happened. First of all, we've marginalized uh, the church. We've placed the, responsibility, the ministry of, responsibility of ministry into the hands of paid staff. And so they're the ministers. They're the people that get the job done. And that is so not the Bible, we're going, to have start, we're going to have a series in January or February called Made for More. It's studying the book of Ephesians. And the church are the ministers, not the staff. And um, what's happened through the years is ministry has been taken away from you. It's been taken away from the people. And... And and it creates all kinds of problems. It creates consumerism. It it creates a lack of biblical knowledge. It creates a lack of fervor for the kingdom. It's just had such a devastating effect. And so uh, I want to see discipleship replaced. In business, there's this effect called long tail effect. And, and, And the idea behind it is you can have these big, you know, punches in marketing and sales and big ideas and go do things. But if you lose your long tail effect, which means all the little stuff that helped build a business, you can't survive off of the big stuff. Blockbuster was a great example of that many years ago. You know, they had all the first-run movies, you know, on, on video, but they couldn't keep all the small stuff because it was too expensive, and the stores were getting too big, and it just it, they weren't making any money. So Amazon comes on the scene, or Netflix, and, and all of a sudden, they're taking both shares of the market. The church is very much like that. We've got the, the big things, the Sunday events, the Christmas Eve services, and, and we'll have some return on that. But the long tail really belongs to you in your relationships with other people. And um, the, uh, it's the little things that really matter. So we've got to make a turn. And... I just want to remind you that Jesus didn't say, go and make the church great. He said, go and make disciples. And he didn't say that to pastors. He said it to all of us. Every one of us. I wrote this down and I just want you to hear it. Our greatest potential for reaching the lost is not a great speaker. It's not a great church service. But it's millions of less known everyday believers carrying out the Great Commission. So for those of you who are Christ followers today, real quickly, I just want to ask you a couple questions just so you know where you are. Who are you praying for right now in your life to become a Christ follower? Who's on your radar? Who is it that you say, I'm asking Jesus, I'm asking you for this person. Who are you leading to Christ? Not bringing to church, but who are you leading to Jesus in your life right now? Who are you intentionally meeting with on a regular basis to help grow them up in their faith? So, as we make this transition as a church, I want us to think about a mantra that you'll hear a lot about. This, is, this ought to be our new mantra. It's disciples who make disciples. make disciples it's a long tail effect it's a it's what makes it work it's 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 actually what jesus said to do and we've got to change and if we if we make this change it will change every concern that i shared with you if we don't we'll be marginalized and 15 years from now we won't exist and that is not not what god has called us to that is not why we started this church. This, this church is a miracle. It was not on anybody's radar. It wasn't, on, except for Jesus maybe. It wasn't on my radar. And what he has done has been amazing. We have so many of you who are what I call first generation believers in this church. This is the first church you've ever gone to. the First time you gave your life to Christ right here. It's, this is a miracle. And I want those miracles to continue. Many years ago, like I shared, I heard that it takes 20 years to make something great. So, welcome to year 20.